Keeping Up With Jones, the Lonnie Jones podcast adventure, bonus material, The Dad Files. In looking for material to read, I found an old folder that contains every article that I ever wrote about being a dad. From the very first time we knew we were having a baby, all the way through the adult life of my daughter and now her own children. Oh, I always get letters from people who say, hey, when you preach, you talk about your children too much. Well, being a dad is one of the most awesome responsibilities and one of the greatest adventures I've ever had. I hope you'll enjoy The Dad Files. Twenty years ago, I was invited to be a guest at a special conference called Challenge Youth Conference. It's better known to most people as CYC. I've been a guest speaker there for the last 20 years and been privileged to work with their board. Uh, It's an annual event. It takes place uh, in Dallas uh, on Martin Luther King weekend, and it takes place in Pigeon Forge at the LeConte Center on the last weekend in February. This year, 2022, it will be January 14 through 16 at the Dallas Marriott in Las Colinas, Texas. It will happen February 25 through 27 at Pigeon Forge in the LeConte Center. The theme for 2022 is for me. From the beginning, God had a plan for you and for me. The different topics will be creation for me, redemption for me, and heaven for me. Some of your favorite teachers, along with Ben and Travis, And the Skits with a Truth guys, the SWAT team, will guide you through this spiritually equipping weekend. CYC is a sponsor of Keeping Up with Jones, the Lonnie Jones podcast adventure. You may find out more information, three W's and a dot, cyconline.com, www.cyconline.com. was one of those odd moments. You never see them coming and you don't really know where they come from. Most of us, I suppose, have a pretty clear idea of who we are and usually have a good set of operational definitions to go with that. I mean, I know what my job is. When when I say I'm going to work, a picture comes to my mind and, and I guess we usually think of ourselves in the way we think of ourselves and superimpose that self-image and all its terms on those we know. But then someone asks you a question and you discover that not everyone shares your perspective of yourself and not everyone sees things as clear-cut as you do. I really did have a teenager ask me one time, exactly, specifically, what do you do for a job? On this occasion that I'm talking about, it was one of those moments. I was in the garage sorting climbing gear. Now, if you can picture five or six multicolored ropes in varying lengths, everything from 80 to 300 feet, harnesses, metal gear, carabiners, rappel devices, and helmets, then you kind of have an idea of the scene. I was surrounded by a nest of gear, sorting it into different gear bags, and Lonnie Beth wandered in and propped up and said, 
What are you doing? I'm sorting my gear for the group tomorrow. So when you say you're taking a group and air quotes around group. So when you say you're taking a group out climbing or repelling, are you going to work? Yes. And people pay you for this? <laughs> Unless I donate the program, they pay me. Well, I know how to belay. Could I get paid to help? And there you have it. You know, she really did learn to walk in a climbing harness. I'd tie one around her little diapered legs and hold the ends of it up and lightly swing her and let those little paddle feet touch the ground. She grew up with a climbing wall in her backyard. We've never lived in a house that didn't have a climbing wall in the garage. Everywhere she's ever lived, she's had access to climbing. And up to this point, I just figured she thought everybody's dad had ropes and stuff and climbing was no big deal. I mean, she climbs with me, but only occasionally. She learned pretty quick that if you got way off route and let go, you could swing. So she's more of a into the swinging at high altitudes and she's actually working her way up the rock. It, it has a lot to do sometimes with who's actually going and her interest in the people attending as to whether or not she's going to go with me on a climbing trip. But now all of a sudden, she's figured out that I work with ropes. And she can work with ropes and make money because she has somebody right at her fingertips to teach her. Now, I learned some of this stuff on my own. I spent four days with an instructor from North Carolina Outward Bound. I spent eight days at Berry College. I spent five days with ERI. I did a weekend seminar with On Rope One. I've got hundreds of hours of practice in order to get my training. But she can just wander out into the garage and say, Hey, Dad, I'd like to do what you do. I guess kids just don't think about it. I mean, my dad worked at the dairy. And what did that mean to me when I was 14? You know, most kids probably don't really know what dad does. In fact, the only quote-unquote kid who really understood what it was to be about his father's business was a little Jewish boy. Yeah, you know the story. They found him in the temple after he'd been missing for several days, and when they asked him what was going on, his answer was, what? why did you look for me? Didn't you know I must be about my father's business? You see, they brought him to Jerusalem for him to become a man. He had reached a certain age, and it was the age of personal accountability for the covenant. It was no longer that his covenant relationship with God was through his father, but his covenant relationship was direct between him and God. At the age of personal accountability for the covenant, every young Jewish boy declared his vocation as a sign of his manhood. And I can only assume that the boy Jesus assumed it was for real. He came and he went through the motions, no doubt using the words, I will fulfill, finish, or maybe continue my father's work. You go through the ceremony and everybody goes home, ceremony's over. But Jesus understood who his father was, and he attempted to stay in the temple. 
I've declared my work, and this is where I stay. There's another underlying story here that that he didn't stay at the temple. His parents didn't understand what he was talking about. And because he was at the age of 12, he didn't enter the ministry. You weren't allowed to be a rabbi or a priest until you were age 30. So Jesus went with them and was subject unto them. And he grew in wisdom and stature and favor with God and favor with man. He grew physically and intellectually and spiritually and socially after he left the company of the experts and went home with an obscure Jewish carpenter and for all practical purposes, a 24-year-old Jewish girl. As a an aside, mom and dad, don't sell your kids out to the experts. It's not the church, the youth minister, the school's job to raise them. God put you in that position for a purpose. But back to the main thing. Maybe the problem is that that we really don't have a clear understanding as to what our father does or what our father is. (laughs) There's a story about Keith Urban. Keith Urban's a, a famous country singer. I think the band that he runs with is from Australia. And they were interviewing the family of his lead guitarist. And they asked this little boy, and I think the story is the little boy is like three years old. So they asked this little three-year-old boy, and and do you know what your daddy does? And he goes, oh, yeah, my my dad works at the airport. (laughs) This guy is probably one of the most famous lead guitarist in all of country music. But this little three-year-old boy knows, hey, when dad goes to work, we take him to the airport. And when dad's home from work, we go get him at the airport. So dad obviously works at the airport. Maybe we don't know what our father does or is. We assume we do, but not until we ask the question, Father, what exactly is your work and how can I be a part of it? Not until then do we really begin to know to be and ultimately to do. I was pretty shocked when LB asked. Most kids probably aren't that interested until the motivation is present. Climbing is no big deal to her. You give her the option to climb or mud ride and she'll ride. Give her the choice to climb or shop, she's in the mall. But add money to the mix, (laughs) and now we may have some interest. Maybe God is waiting for us to be interested enough to ask. Or maybe he's waiting on us to be mature enough, to love enough, to get involved in the family business. Maybe God is not shocked when we ask. He's just sad when we don't. I was sitting in a red oak tree watching a spotted fawn. For whatever reason, I decided to check the time on my cell phone, and that's when I noticed I had a voicemail. I turned it on, and it said, Hi, hun, it's me. (laughs) Like I don't recognize Jackie's voice, and I don't know her phone number when she calls me. (laughs) But that's what she does every single time. And she does the same thing at McDonald's. We've been to McDonald's multiple times in our lives and we'll stand there in line talking and then when we get up to the counter she'll go oh wait let me decide what i want the menu hasn't changed since the dawn of time anyway her message warned me 
that she and Lonnie Beth had both gone to have their hair done. And LB was very disappointed as to how hers turned out. The lady who cut her hair had not understood what she wanted and cut more of it off than she should have. As a trained professional counselor, I could detect the nuances of emotional trauma bubbling beneath the surface of this normally self-assured 14-year-old. Can you say wailing and gnashing of teeth? I thought you could. I guess I can understand it. I mean, it would be nice to have hair to mess up. One of these days, I'm just going to go straight Vin Diesel is what I told myself at the time. It's just a matter of time. But I remember having hair. I remember when we used to use this old barber in Oxford growing up. Sometimes you'd leave his shop and it looked like you'd had a fight with a weed eater on crack. But as a guy, you just dealt with it. Girls, I have discovered, only deal with it after visiting www.whinelikeanisraelite.com. Her hair really did look cute. In fact, it was very trendy in a Sarah Michelle Geller, what's her name kind of way, meets Gen- Jennifer Aniston. Think Buffy the Vampire Slayer with a page boy. N- nonetheless, she would not be consoled. Her dread was going to school and getting reactions. Negative reactions from her friends and negative reactions from those who were not her friends. She and I talked about perception. I even delved into some cognitive distortions. And then we had a pretty serious talk about people with real deformities. They seemed to manage and live balanced, healthy lives. We talked about how, quote, unquote, pretty people go out into the world every day and never have to think about people teasing them or using the word ugly or having to hear ugly words. Maybe, just maybe, this one bad hair day will help her lean away from being as quick to make value judgments on looks. Maybe this one bad hair day will help her to be more careful with her words when she talks about the way other people look or dress or whatever. I know our appearance is very important to us. In truth, losing my hair did bother me. Picking up a few pounds bothers me. I don't realize how short I am until I see a picture of myself in a normal crowd. (laughs) You walk into a restaurant with a bunch of SWAT cops and somebody says, look, it's bring your kid to work day. (laughs) It, It could bother me, but it doesn't. No one likes to have a pimple on the end of their nose. I remember when Jackie was 20, uh, we were playing volleyball and Dwayne Corder stuck his elbow through her glasses and she got this beautiful black eye. Oh, she cried and begged not to go to church and, and without sounding like a, a knuckle dragger or a mouth breather. I had to make her go to worship the next day. She didn't want anybody to see her with her black eye. But it would be nice if we gave them a thought to her inner person. It would be nice if we were as self-conscious about our attitudes, our mindset, and our hearts as we were our faces, hair, and waistlines. I don't know of anybody who didn't want to go to work today because they were having a bad heart day. You know, watching a movie can do as much to mess up your mind 
as a maladroit stylist can do to mess up your hair. Yet the things that we read or listen to or watch or look at don't seem to, we don't seem to have a problem letting those things into our minds. Hey, your hair will grow back. But once certain things are in your mind, it's there to stay. Maybe, just maybe, I could teach Lonnie Beth to spend more time in front of the spiritual mirror. And maybe we would shed more tears about what God is thinking and not about what people are seeing. Did you know a home bought or sold can mean that help is given to those in need? With Rosenblum Realty, a portion of their revenue is given to charities and nonprofits every single week. If you believe in helping those in need and are in the market to buy, sell, or invest in real estate, then consider the fact that partnering with Rosenblum Realty means they'll give a contribution to mission work, food distribution, homeless programs, children's education, military and veterans programs, and many other great works. Rosenblum Realty is a fourth-generation family-owned real estate company. To find out how they can help you while helping others, visit givetomycommunity.com. That's givetomycommunity.com. Or visit them at rosenbloomrealty.com. Rosenbloom Realty, making lives a little rosier, one house at a time. This was written in 2005. I'm short. I don't have much hair on my head. I've got lots of hair on my arms, my chest, and my neck. I don't sing very well, and my voice sounds funny. When I call someone on the phone, a lot of people think my name is Monty, not being able to understand the way I say Lonnie. I buy pants that are the same size in the waist as they are in the length. I struggle a lot with being gentle. I was an average student, grays wide. I, I can get mad easily. And I tend to deal with conflict by confronting early. Tim Frizzell interrupted me in a reverie one time. I was in the back of his lecture looking at some notes I was going to present. And he said, uh, Brother Lonnie, do you pray in conflict? In order to dig myself out of the hole for kind of being spaced out, I said, yes, I do. I looked back down at my notes and he followed up with, and what do you pray? My conflict resolution prayer is, let me die with the Philistines. <laughs> I used to be scared of dogs. I am scared of bees. I'm uncomfortable in deep water. I don't climb anything without safety gear. And I'm okay with myself. I like being me. I enjoy being me, and I'm pretty comfortable not being the things I'm not. I don't think that this comfort comes from hubris. I, I think it comes from my mom and my dad. My mom is supposed to be handicapped. Her feet are slightly deformed, and one leg is shorter than the other. and She walks with a very distinctive little wobble, but you'd never know it. 
she's a very successful lady and she chased us and ran with us and played with us when we were little boys and if she's ever focused a moment on her handicap i don't i don't know it my dad is a, a very simple man and he feels like his number one obligation in this life is to god and his number one obligation to his god is that little lady he married when she was a child, 16 years old, and the two boys that he raised and his grandchildren. Those two people, my mom and dad, taught me to be me. They encouraged me to do my best and not worry if I was not the best. I wanted so bad to pass that on to my daughter. One year at Christmas, we were in Arkansas, and I invented this little game to play with Lonnie Beth. It started out with the words, if, if I were a mouse and you were a bear, could we be friends? And she'd have to make up an answer as to why things so different could be friends. We came up with all kind of silly combinations, and soon it became a bedtime routine. We began to look for ways to be compatible in not ways to be different. Later on, when Jackie went back to college, she made me promise I'd turn that game into a series of illustrations. And now those illustrations have become a children's book. It's, it's a self-published deal. But it's a big deal to me. Not so much as, as having the book, but the understanding of how much of my dad, my mom, Jackie, and Lonnie Beth are in that very simple little work. Those very simple drawings and the very elementary poetry in it. I'm not sure if the theme is self-acceptance or being accepting. But I do know that until we stop focusing on what we are not, we will never be able to see what we are or what we are to become. Maybe that little book will be popular enough one day that you'll get to see a copy of it sometime. Advice to Lonnie Beth. The first article I ever wrote about her, I didn't even know her name. I wrote it after hearing her heartbeat for the first time. I didn't know she'd have blue eyes. And I could not imagine that her laughter would make the same sound as sunshine. If sunshine made sound. In April... I witnessed her sign a paper that paid for one full year of college tuition and could actually pay for all four years. That paper was a grant in aid, and it meant that in spite of being four foot ten inches tall, she will have the opportunity to play NCAA Division I volleyball. This May, I watched her graduate from high school in spite of extreme difficulties with her abilities in mathematics, she has a learning disability. In June, we followed her to Troy University, and after some unpacking, Jackie and I came home, and she didn't. Tomorrow, at the time of this, it's August the 24th, 2007, Jackie and I will go and watch her team play against Auburn University. 
I normally like the Auburn program. I wasn't always an Auburn fan. <laughs> and when Alabama started treating their coaches like the church treats their preachers, but, but tomorrow I'll not be yelling War Eagle. She may not play for the four years she's in school. She may not attend college for four years. Life is, is full of the unexpected. The day before I took her to college, we went for a drive. And I tried to think of something profound and wise to say. I get asked to speak on all sorts of topics in all sorts of places. Some of what I said to her is private and it will only be shared if she shares it. But after all this time, of all the things I could say, this is what I chose. LB, if we ever understand that the things we have, our health, our talents, the simple fact that our eyes work, if we ever come to view these things as gifts and not things we've attained or earned or deserve, if we ever see living, just living as a privilege and not a right, then we will be able to overcome being selfish and do wonderful things. Every second you live past 17 is something more than Kimberly did. Many people ask, why do bad things happen to good people? Those who ask that have failed to understand that there are no good people. If we got what we deserved, we'd all be doomed. So your life, your breath, your voice, your vision, legs that can walk and hands that can pass a volleyball are yours to use, not only for you, but to use for your God. If you'll try to do that, then the rest will take care of itself. God gave you life. Just simply try to give that life back to Him. I, I never said she wouldn't get a tattoo. I'd only said I'd never give her my permission or allow her to use my money to pay for one. You can thank her grandmother for financing the operation. Now, now, please understand, that's the, let's drive to Oklahoma and see the Lion King, get dressed up and run over to Memphis and see Phantom, cliff diving, cruise taking, I'm going to Europe. I got those cards in Vegas, grandmother. Not to be confused with the, I didn't wear pants to church until I was 50. I bake a pound cake every day. I cry at weddings, funerals, birthdays, bar mitzvahs, Veterans Day, and homecoming parades. What would you like me to cook when I come to your house? grandmother. Don't get the two confused. One is Jackie's mom. One is my mom. Jackie's mom paid for the tattoo. But I digress. The tattoo thing really didn't take me by surprise. In all honesty, she is a Jones. And were it not for the fact that 
you could easily tell me from my stunt double or it would make it too hard to hide when I go off the grid, then I might have wanted to get a tattoo as well. Again, with the digression. The tattoo on that tiny little foot is in Greek. And if it were transliterated, that means putting English letters to Greek words, it would say in auto dunamai. E-N space A-U-T-O space D-U-N-A-M-A-I. It means something to her. Those four words are her motto. I've never known her to be without self-confidence. I've never known her to doubt. I've never known her to be unsure, but apparently dads really don't know everything. If she'd let me print it, I'd publish the paper she wrote. She had to compare two places at college. The first was the classroom, and the second was the gym. In one, she is full of doubt and fear. And the other, she signs in an improbably, almost superhuman way. Her speed and her reflexes allow her to do amazing things. And she makes those amazing things look easy. I've got a picture of her with her toes on the ground, her bottom on the ground, her shoulders on the ground, and her head on the ground as she flattens out in an improbable yoga pose to let a volleyball soar past her nose and go out of bounds. She does the things that she does almost self, without self-consciousness. She just does. But she struggles academically. She's really not supposed to be in college. Her ACT scores predicted that. Her learning disability said she shouldn't graduate high school. Her height... All four foot ten inches of her said she probably should have a career as a cheerleader or gymnastics, but certainly not volleyball. But she was recruited to a Division I school as a scholarship athlete. And they paid for her first year at school. She was promised a chance to compete for a scholarship every year in the coming years. I'm afraid she was a victim of some nepotism, maybe some dishonesty. In any event, she did everything the coach asked her to do, which included trying to play volleyball in a way that was opposite of what she had been trained to do. Uh, It just so happens that uh, the coach is several years behind in, in what volleyball actually is. She was trained by an Olympic silver medalist and a coach who never lost a game in regular season play. But she performed and did exactly what the coach asked her to do. And even though his defensive strategy was not very good, and although some of his coaching style was dysfunctional and demeaning and maybe even potentially psychologically damaging to freshman girls, she did what he asked her to do because she had agreed to play ball for him. Eventually, she was one of five girls who did not return to that program. 
that tells you everything you probably need to know. She left and transferred to a very small school in Georgia where she has enjoyed a very successful run and, and a second place finish in the conference. If you were to translate the tattoo on her foot in Alto Dunamai, the words simply read, In Him I Can. It's a literal translation of Philippians 4.13. She told me that every day that she passed a ball, dug a hit, did a jump serve, or survived her freshman year, the thought came out was, in him I can. It applied to her volleyball. It applied to her grades. It applied to having the courage to stay and finish the freshman year. And ultimately, it applied to the courage to leave after her job was done and play ball at another school. I'm not advocating tattoos. I don't necessarily approve of hers, but she has it. And, and I'll be asked about it in certain circles because of who I am. And the fact that I talk about her so much has, in effect, in some ways, taken away her privacy. So since I'll be asked, oh, I heard your daughter had a tattoo. Since I'll be asked, this is what I have to say. She took something that has been secretly written on her heart and permanently put it on her skin. If all of us would simply do that. If all of us simply had that in us. If we just had the passion so that we just take the thing that gets us by, that get us through, that give us power, and display them. Not in, a, not in slogans, not in t-shirts or banners, but simply put them quote unquote on our feet and walk the walk then we would not only change ourselves, but those who witnessed the things we could do despite our size, our strength, our wisdom, our health, our age, then when they ask us, we could simply say, in Him, I can. 20 years ago, I was invited to be a guest at a special conference called Challenge Youth Conference. It's better known to most people as CYC. I've been a guest speaker there for the last 20 years and been privileged to work with their board. Uh, it's an annual event. It takes place uh, in Dallas uh, on Martin Luther King weekend, and it takes place in Pigeon Forge at the LeConte Center on the last weekend in February. This year, 2022, it will be January 14 through 16 at the Dallas Marriott, in Las Colinas, Texas. It will happen February 25 through 27 at Pigeon Forge in the LeConte Center. The theme for 2022 is for me. From the beginning, God had a plan for you and for me. The different topics will be creation for me, redemption for me, and heaven for me. Some of your favorite teachers, along with Ben and Travis, 
and the Skits with a Truth guys, the SWAT team, will guide you through this spiritually equipping weekend. CYC is a sponsor of Keeping Up with Jones, the Lonnie Jones podcast adventure. You may find out more information, three W's and a dot, cyconline.com, www.cyconline.com.